Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're glad you're here today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer and producer. I'm here with my sister, Liz Dolan. Hey, Liz. Hey, Leanne. I'm Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. I'm a marketer and a podcaster, and I'm here at home with my dog, Hooper. And how about you, Julie? Hey, this is Julie Dolan. I'm in Dallas in my closet all by myself. I think my dog is up against the closet door wanting to get it and bust his way in. <laughs> Today's Satellite Sister is going to be a little bit different. We decided to take the entire hour and devote it to one topic, and that is death by suicide. I know. I know. It's not It's not going to be... Uh, uh, the it's not going to be the tidbits and the tips to clip that we usually do or the Tuesday trends, but we thought this was important enough to talk about and we wanted to devote the whole hour to it. Our guest today is a friend of mine, Charlotte Maya. She has written a new memoir called Sushi Tuesdays, and the subtitle is A Memoir of Love, Loss, and Family Resilience. Charlotte lost her husband, Sam, 15 years ago to suicide. She was a mom living in La Cunata, California a nice suburb. She had two little kids. She was a practicing lawyer at the time. And uh, one day she came home and she discovered that her husband had died by suicide and she had to completely recalibrate her entire life. Her memoir is so open and so honest. I was really, really blown away when I read it. I thought, now I finally have some answers because if you know people that have died by suicide and you try to put yourself in their position, you almost can't do it. The you know the people that are left behind, like I can't imagine what it'd be like if my husband or my son or my daughter or my sister uh, died by suicide. Charlotte takes you into the seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, and years after that event. And, you know, all they went through for their family to end up on the other end, healthy and relatively happy now. So we're looking forward to welcoming Charlotte and to talking to her about her experiences. She also writes a lot about suicide now. She has a wonderful website and blog and newsletter. And so she's become an expert as such. And we're going to talk to her about that too. But Liz, we we had some listeners who wanted to comment yeah. before this before the show about how suicide has affected them. Right. Not surprisingly, Leanne. I mean, last week when you posted in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group that this would be the subject of this week's episode, and we were spending the whole episode on it, we did get a lot of comments uh, from members of the group about their own experiences with suicide. Kathy wrote, 13 years ago, I almost lost my husband. Frightening now what he went through, what I went through, and more. He is still here, though, and doing good. Mm. So that's great. Becky wrote, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you for doing this. I'm lucky to still have my son, but almost lost him once. Wow. He's doing well now, but it's 
always a fear. Mm, I bet. You know, I bet. Yeah. Yep. Terry wrote, there was a time I was on suicide watch with my son who was about 20 and was refusing help. It's such a hopeless feeling to watch loved ones and friends struggle. And sometimes there are no signs. I'm happy to say my son got help and is 37 and doing awesome. And then Amy, this is more recent. Amy wrote, thank you. This is such a hard topic to navigate and one that is often only spoken about in hushed tones. Exactly, Amy. We want to ask uh, Charlotte about that. She said, our family lost our 27-year-old nephew late last year. It's so different than anything we've ever had to deal with. Yes, we're hoping Charlotte can give us some insight into that, Amy. I'm so sorry for your loss, Amy. All right, when we return, we're going to have Charlotte Maya with us. So please stay with us. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) No kidding. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils, I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo, yes. you can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay. You know, we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz, a youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SAD Sisters. So this is it. This is a win, win, win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what, what I'm recommending. Yeah, (laughs) either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. 
That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate free and wild caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Lynn, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay. And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you, it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. We're back. We're the Satellite Sisters. Leanne, Liz, and Julie here. We're so happy to welcome Charlotte Maya to Satellite Sisters. We've told you about her memoir, Sushi Tuesday. Thank you for being on the show, Charlotte. Leanne, thanks so much for having me. You know, we're going to talk about your specific experience, what you write so movingly about in Sushi Tuesday, but we're also going to open the conversation up at the end because you've done so much writing and talking about the subject of suicide. I don't want to say you're an expert in it, but how do you refer to yourself when you think about this? 
I refer to myself as a widow. I, I, the lived experience is my expertise, and I just really care about talking about this subject. Suicide is the tenth leading cause of death in this country. It's second for the age group twenty-five to thirty-four, which is horrifying. It's horrifying. Wow, that is horrifying. But we don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the one thing we know helps is talking about it. So okay. That's so we're going to talk about it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let, let's start by talking about your husband, Sam, who died 15 yeah. years ago by suicide. Charlotte, what was your family like before his death? How would you have described your family life? I would have described our family life as pretty unremarkable. We had two <laughs> kids. They were six and eight. We had a white picket fence. We had a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. I mean, it was it was a pretty domestic, happy life. We We had a nice marriage. And, you know, we didn't fight about things. I was totally surprised by his suicide. There were things I could look back at in retrospect and recognize in a different way, which is also why I think we need a fluency around the subject of suicide, sort of in the same way that we know about physical health. We talk about physical health. If we can talk about mental health and and in in such a natural way, I think I might have recognized some of the signs sooner. Mm-hmm. What what do you think Sam was going through at the time? What was he going through? He had some physical issues. What else was he going through? He Sam had had back pain from the time he was 13. So in some ways, it had always been a part of our life together. I had never known him without back pain. And at 41, I don't think he had ever, he could even remember living without back pain anymore. He had job stress. But, you know, if you have a job, you have job stress. Right. If you don't have a job, then you really have job stress. Mm-hmm. Um, he had lost a couple pounds over the summer, but not, you know, like five or 10 pounds, not like crazy. And who doesn't want to lose five or 10 pounds? I, I don't know anyone <laughs> right. in their forties who doesn't want to lose five or 10 pounds. Right. And so they, these are all things I could look back later and go, Hmm. Um, and then another thing, the night before he died, he had his will and trust our will and trust out on the counter. And that can be a sign, but I was a trust and estates attorney. So I read oh, these wow. things routinely and it didn't, it, it didn't phase me at all. And in fact, our will and trust at the time said everything goes to Danny, our firstborn, and any other children we have in equal shares. And I thought it would be nice to revise it to put Jason in by name because mm-hmm. by then we had yeah. two kids. And so I didn't even ask him why he had it out on the counter. I saw him reading it and I went, oh, hey, I've been meaning to get that out. Didn't even enter my mind that he would have been reading it for a different Yeah, why would it? Really, why would it? (laughs) Right? Well, I mean, I think it's probably the question people ask you a million times. (laughs) Did you have any idea how deeply troubled he was? I think as someone who's not, who wasn't involved, you just, it's like you want to sign like, well, surely there must have been signs that you missed. I mean, and and I would say that that's true, but I I missed them because I didn't know to look for them. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. part of why I just feel like it's so important to have honest conversations about this topic. When I, um, so when, when I arrived home that day and the policeman and priest met me, oh. they told me, yeah, that was a day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Charlotte. <laughs> that, I just, I have to say, I'm sorry. That's thank uh... you. Thank you. It's um, well, they, they said, the policeman said, we will tell the children that their father died, but you have to tell them how, 
Mm-hmm. And we recommend that you tell them the truth because you do not want them to find out from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And at a time when nothing made sense, that made sense to me. So honesty and transparency have really guided my journey forward. We can't solve the problem of suicide by not talking about it. Right. 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 And, and now it was the hardest thing I have ever done. The children were six and eight. Oh. Yeah. We fit in one chair. And so I scooped them up and I, and I did tell them the truth. But I how, saying, how long do you think it took them to really understand, like in terms of years? I think what we're still really trying to understand in some ways, but, but your, your point is a good one. It, it, I would say was different for each child. The, the eight-year-old refused to say what we called the D words, dad and daddy for mm-hmm. years, for years mm-hmm. until all, I would say high school, really. The six-year-old wanted to talk about dead daddy all the time. So as yeah. a single parent, this was obviously sort of a quandary um, single parenting is the absolute hardest thing in the world. And um, so just like hearts out to all the single parents who might be listening. It's, it's really, really hard. But the children know they can count on me for honest answers to life's hardest questions. And that relationship piece is the most important thing. That Do you think that's the way? Powerful. Yeah. I'm sorry, Liz. Yeah. Do you think that was the way you were before? Were you that honest with them before? Or is that, was that new after, after Sam's death? I've always been pretty transparent with my kids. That's a great question because I, I hadn't ever thought about that. I'm not sure that it was a big shift now that you asked that question, taking what the policeman told me, it might have, maybe why it resonated so much for me is that it was a real affirmation of how, I communicated with my kids. I mean, obviously when they're little, I used little words, dead, daddy, sick, sad. When now they're 22 and 24, so we can have much more nuanced conversations. The 22 year old is a senior in college and a psychology major. So Mm. we have amazing discussions about physiology and depression and mental illness. And the now think now he's teaching me. So the conversation continues. I think I don't know. There's still days when I drive past the intersection where Sam died and it takes my breath away. Like this is, this is my life. This, this yeah. happened, mm-hmm. but that's the thing about grief is it, there's no like end date. There's no expiration right. date or date certain on which you can say, okay, now I'm done grieving, done, fixed. It's, <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Right? right. Right. Sam was 41 when he died and and I just can only imagine what it will be like for the children when they're 41 and then 42. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, in your book, Sushi Tuesdays, it's so beautifully written. Um, the first couple of chapters I felt were so particularly powerful because you literally describe like the seconds, the minutes, the hours, and the days after his death in detail. And it's, it was a really powerful way to just lay out how your life changed in an instant. And I feel like as the reader, I felt every second of that first month after you heard mm-hmm. about your husband, did you feel every second? Do you remember it? I mean, you recall it in the book, but <laughs> at the time, like, did you, were you understanding what you were living through and what were your emotions? I mean, beyond sadness and shock. Yeah, that's a great question. It's um grief and trauma sort of have this way of telescoping time. 
And so there are, there were so many details that I will never forget and that were just in sharp relief. But then there are also huge gaping holes in my memory as well. Mm. I don't know, for example, so the, the policeman, the policewoman and the priest were in the driveway and the policeman and the priest took me into the house first to talk. And the policewoman said, I will, um, I'll stay with the boys. And I don't know when or how the children and the dog got from the car into the house. Now I look back at that and I think, wow, what a, what a bad mom. I had, I had no idea, right, where they were. And so um, memory is a slippery thing. And writing a memoir, um, you know, requires, there were, there were things I went back and looked at, like emails. And I, sometimes I would even ask friends, but those, those early moments were so intense that it is almost impossible to forget a lot of those details. And I tried to structure the memoir in, using time in that way because grief feels almost like a newborn of its own. You know how when your baby is born, you first count his hours or her yeah, hours. Right. You know, oh, that's her, her in hours and then days. And then yes. they're like, oh, the baby is a week and now now she's a month. And 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 then, you know, now now she's 27. So you know what I mean? It it it, it it's kind of like it's a baby of its own. Trauma is kind of like a baby of its own. So I just tried to structure the book in that way intentionally to give the reader that feeling of how intense those early days are. And then it kind of loosens its grip over time and it becomes easier to breathe. Right. Well, it, it it definitely gripped me. I, I think there was a new level of understanding about what, um, I mean, you went through a suicide, but even any sudden death of a spouse or a child, a uh, drug overdose or anything, it must, it must feel like that, that intensity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, you know, you were sad, but what else did you feel? I mean, there, you have a lot of, you, you admit to a lot of anger in the book. Yes. I was sad. I was angry. I was confused. I was you know, I was terrified that I was going to be ostracized because of how Sam died. But what I found was actually the opposite, that people wanted to share. They wanted to hear the first. So Sam died on a Saturday. And on Monday, I took the kids to school. And I, you know, I, 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 as I was walking them to their little classrooms, people were averting their eyes and kind of giving me space. And, um, but I thought, well, okay, this is this is where it begins, right? Everyone mm-hmm. is going to just sort of ostracize us, and I would be alienated from my beautiful community that I loved so much. So I squatted down, I looked them in the eyes, and said, you know, as last as long as you can, and as soon as you're ready to come home, let me know, let the teacher know, and I will come get you. And I didn't know whether they'd last five minutes or half an hour or the whole day, and they ended up lasting the whole day. But as I turned then to walk back home, I thought, okay, here here I go. And I was met with hug after prayer, after words of comfort and tears and tears upon tears. And I was held, they held me. And over the course of our journey, I I was just very transparent as, as we talked about, and people kept saying, you have to write the book. 
You have to write the book. So what I feared was isolation and what I found was connection. And that's part of what I'm hoping Sushi Tuesdays will provide is some connection, the beginnings to a greater conversation, because there's so many suicide stories that right. aren't shared because we are so afraid. Mm-hmm. Right. Charlotte, I mean, this is Liz. I want I want to ask you specifically about that because I read that sentence. I was terrified that I would be ostracized after Sam's death. And I want to know more about what that fear was. So it was just that people would be afraid to face you, that they just would not know how to interact with you. That was your fear? Well, we, you know, we don't talk about suicide and there's so much shame and stigma around mental health and suicide right. mm-hmm. that um, that that I was afraid of being blamed. Of course, I felt a ton of guilt. Uh, I will say, to be honest, it was a lot easier to forgive Sam than it was to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So hard. Yeah. You know, you also wrote that, you know, if you had a chance to rewrite his obituary, you might choose to use the word suicide. Now, you didn't originally. And so how has your thought process changed on that because as you said at the top of this conversation if we don't talk about suicide we're never going to be able to get to the root of what it is at all right yeah I used died suddenly which suddenly serves as sort of a euphemism in Mm -hmm. obituaries I have a lot of hope from the fact that I have seen words like suicide or overdose appear specifically now in obituaries because we can't solve a problem by ignoring it Mm -hmm. right and when we face into it, when we say the word out loud, and, and it's a hard word to say, but but it's it's harder to lose someone than to say the word. So mm-hmm. I just think that these conversations are are very healing. We we joke in my house, we don't hide the skeletons in our closets, we display them on the walls and on top of the piano. <laughs> oh my god. You've had a long journey to get there. <laughs> yes. 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 You know, Charlotte, you talked about all the comfort you got from your community uh, right after this happened. Uh Tony wrote to us at Satellite Sisters and she lost a close friend to suicide. And she wanted to ask about what was the best kind of support for, for you know, for the survivors in that situation. What would you say um, helped you the most? Oh, Tony, um, this is a great question, and thank you for asking it. And I'm sorry that you're living this. I would say everybody has a gift. I was amazed. I would just say yes. I need help. I was amazed at what people would show up with and and bring and do. So of course, food, casseroles, hugs, showing up, showing up with ice cream or whatever, casseroles, lasagna, all those things. I had a friend who noticed that I was consistently late to school. So she showed up on my doorstep for months at 745 exactly with her own two children every morning to get us on time to school. She walk in and say, okay, shoes, socks, homework, lunches, here we go. And she was unbelievable. And I didn't need a dozen moms on my doorstep to usher us up to school. I just needed one. And she was there. I had um, another friend who would sort through my mail and she would, she would pull out all the bills. She would write, this was in 2007. So we still wrote checks. So she would write (laughs) everything on the, she would write everything on the check except sign it. She would put a stamp on the envelope. She would paperclip the check to the stub and and the envelope. And all I had to do was sign it 
and stick it in the envelope and and then she would actually take it to the mail there i would just say if you have a gift if you have a passion if you have have any ideas at all that your friend needs your help in that way i just had it, it's it's an outpouring of love and so if for people who are healing i would also say if someone asks you if how they can help or if they can help just say yes and let them figure out how because there's i needed everything yeah and- yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know i love that in the book one of the devices you use is to call all the particularly the women the school mom friends janes you just you don't name them by name <laughs> but you were just refer to them as the janes and i it just made me think we all need janes in our life at some mm-hmm. point you know we're whatever there's going to be a moment when we're all going to have to say yes to the janes in our lives and we should just let that help in and you illustrated that so beautifully in in sushi tuesdays i i was what thinking that, sushi tuesday yeah i know that was my going to be my next question yes <laughs> Go for it. Now is the time to explain the title, Charlotte. What what is a Sushi Tuesday? Sushi Tuesdays was basically my day for self-care. I had a yoga class that I really liked on Tuesday mornings. And then my therapist had a recurring slot open up on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays became my day for self-care. I called it my Charlotte Shabbat. And I didn't make appointments (laughs) with JDs or um, CPAs or BFDs. It was just Charlotte her yoga instructor, her therapist. And sometimes I would take myself out to sushi for lunch, party of one. It was too much pressure (laughs) to make an appointment for coffee. Even it was just, and you know, it was just Mm. while the kids were in school. So as a practical matter, it was nine to three or so. And um, so that was, that, that was my sushi Tuesdays. And I just really listened to what did Charlotte need for her own self-care? Did I need to crawl back in bed and cry? Cause that's real. And if I did, that's what I, that's what I would do. Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to just sit and meditate? What does Charlotte need? Do I need to, you know, pound out my rage somewhere? What does Charlotte need today for her own self-care? And, and that was my sushi Tuesdays. The kids were little, they didn't care about eating sushi. So <laughs> It was perfect. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just know, for Charlotte. How just long Charlotte, did it yeah. take you to get there to Sushi Tuesdays? Just if people are sort of in the, you know, newly uh, have, have experienced a new loss. I mean, I know grief mm-hmm. has many timelines, but for you, when did Sushi Tuesdays emerge as like, okay, I can do this and I need to do this? Do you recall? That's a great question because it sort of happened gradually. I would say it was probably about three months in when I recognized what was happening. Oh, it seems fast. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Well, I guess you have no choice when you have little kids, right? Totally. It was the mommy channel 24 seven. Even I didn't want to hear what I had to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they're just still being six and eight year olds. They, yes. you know, right. Yes. You're right. Six and eight year olds who are grieving in very different yes. ways. And yes, yes, exactly. And so and children are really good at sort of titrating how much they can take. So, you know, you have a, an intense conversation and then they're like, Okay, mommy, what's for dinner? Let's yeah. read. You know, it's which they, which is really refreshing. Right. Yeah. That, that's right. I don't need to talk about this anymore. What's for totally. dinner? Yeah. Listen, the dog is still pooping on the lawn, so somebody's <laughs> got to get that done. Life moves on. You know, Charlotte, I was thinking back when I met you at St. Francis. That's the high yeah. school that our sons went to together, and we were on the parent board together. Yeah. So it was after Sam's death. I did not know you before that time period, um, and I remember you. We were both on the the PTA essentially, and I remember you came. 
and I was like, Ooh, look at her. She's really pulled together. She's a lawyer. <laughs> she's got that great haircut and wow, super sharp looking. And, uh, and then somebody told me your story mm-hmm. and like, this is what happened to Charlotte's husband. And I of course was stunned. What is that like for you? Knowing that out in the community, you, your story enters the room before you do. Mm. Well, wow. That's a great question. I didn't, I don't think I knew my story did enter the room before I did. <laughs> um, it wasn't gossip. It was just people sort of filling in your backstory. Totally. Well, you know what happens to, what I feel like I experience more often is people not knowing my story. Like you say, you know, I, I okay. got the, the Bob haircut and, um, and for me, I feel like it just, it's a reminder to me that everybody has, everybody has stuff going on. Yes. We don't yeah. always know. Yes. You never know what people are going through. Right. Yeah. It, and it is surprising and not always in a good way. It, it, um, just what people are carrying. And I think it's just a, a reminder um, to be tender in those spaces because we, we really don't know what people are, are, are holding and carrying. Mm-hmm. Now you're remarried now we're, we're sort of skipping ahead. Uh, yeah. y- you have a blended family. There mm-hmm. is a lot in the book about the challenges of that. So I mm. encourage people to pick up <laughs> Sushi Tuesday because it's not like, well, look at me now. No, 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 no. There is a, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of struggle, a lot of therapy, a lot of back and forth for years, but where's your family now emotionally? And what's it like for them to have you write this memoir? Oh my gosh. These are all great questions. Um, when when Tim and I first got married, so yeah, I accidentally fell in love with the most eligible widower in town. It's true. He's <laughs> it a handsome true. guy. I mean, <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it. He's scored, <laughs> Charlotte. He's a good looking man. <laughs> he's good looking, but he's also incredibly kind. Yes. He's just plain good. And so I really was not, I, I really was not expecting that. And when Tim and I first got married, you know, we had four pretty young kids. They were 9, 11, 14, and 17. Mm. And only the youngest one was excited about our getting married. And he, <laughs> oh no, even, even he changed his mind from time to time. So we were operating at a 12 and a half percent approval rating. <laughs> I would say, but at this point today in 2023, we're, we're hovering in the high nineties. So um, congratulations. Talk, thank you. It's, it's certainly a road. I, um, when we first got married, our oldest was a senior in high school. And there's a, there's a, a moment that our photographer actually captured. And um, I was leaning toward him. And I know what I was saying to him was, I promise I am never going to try to replace your mother, Debbie. But I do hope that at some point we will have our own thing. And Gregory got married in October. And in advance of the wedding, he asked me to choose a song for the mother son dance. Is okay, now I'm getting choked up. <laughs> now we're all crying. All of us are crying. Charlotte, Thanks is, a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's it it is a journey that continues, and you know it takes it takes a lot of time, a lot of humor, a lot of humility, a lot of of uh, you know a good bottle of wine doesn't hurt. Um, it, it, but we just keep showing up, and and just keep 
loving each other. It's really the only way forward. Did writing this memoir take you to a new place in your relationship with some of the people in your life, like your like your sons, your stepsons? That's a great question. I feel like writing the memoir was learning the craft. I I was a little naive about how much it takes to write a book. So, um, Leon, I'm. Well, that's the best place to start. Like, (laughs) oh, how hard could it be? Everybody seems to write one. That's a good starting spot. Yeah, that overconfidence. Yeah, and you're. you're a lawyer. You you yeah, write stuff. I can do stuff. I've, I've read 12 hundreds, thousands of books, so I should be able to write a book, but that didn't turn out to be true. So I hired a book coach. And so I feel like with, with writing the memoir itself was really learning the craft, learning about story structure, learning about character arc. And so the kids are really cute. They are all very proud of me. They only one has read the book from beginning to end, but anything that had the kids in it, I, I ran by them first. Most of those had been published in the blog at some level anyway, um, but they're very cute. They are all very excited and, and proud. And I think it's a little strange for kids to see mom grow up. I feel like I, I finally gone from, you know, stay at home mom to someone with a career of her own. And it's really exciting for me, but the kids seem a little mystified by it, but please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, six, I have, I have six books and my, one of my sons has never read any. So don't worry. It's not, <laughs> I so, bet they are secret. I bet they are very proud of you. That's yeah. for sure. Yes. That's I bet they right. are. Yes. But the, with the book, Charlotte, it makes you even more of a, a resource for other people who have experienced suicide in their life. And so that's, that's a lot to take on. It's one thing to put your story on a page. It's another thing to like put yourself out there. And has, has any part of that been hard? It's certainly not an expertise I ever would have anticipated having. It's, you know, it's a club that nobody wants to be in, but as I always say, thank goodness for it because we are not alone. And Mm -hmm. that connection changes everything. And mm-hmm. we we can't always fix everything that happens in life, but we can connect with each other, and that brings great healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlotte, you, you you've added to our awareness about this. We had a listener, Jill, who said who wrote to us and said that she, for her, it seems like suicide is happening so often these days. And I think you touched on this a little while ago. And But she was trying to calibrate. Is it because we know so many people through our internet connections or the numbers of suicides actually going up? I think it's both. I, 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 um, I have, the CDC just came out with a new report on uh, teenagers and mental health and the yeah. statistics yes. for teenage yeah. For teenage girls are pretty horrifying. Yeah, it was very grim for teenage girls. Yes. yes. And so I think I just feel like this is a story that was demanding to be told. And mm-hmm. and people are struggling and suffering. And if we can bring some daylight to some of that, I just really believe that we can save lives. So yeah, it's not the cause I would have anticipated, but obviously I feel very passionate about it. I have a lot of hope in that new national lifeline, 988, mm-hmm. like 911, but 988 that you can call or text 24-7. The f- just the fact of having that 988 lifeline out there, I think uh, invites people to ask for help. And it, it, it lets people know that you're not the only one who is struggling here. And certain of our communities are even at higher risk 
our LGBTQ plus children, Mm -hmm. our military, we, we, we have, um, we have work to do. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely willing to roll up my sleeves and, and do the work because it matters. When you read about, there have been a couple of high profile suicides. I'm thinking of Twitch or Anthony Bourdain's. Yeah. Does that trigger you, Charlotte? Is that, does that bring up something new or would, and, and should we look for that in the people around us that they who have experienced suicide, that, that some reading about Twitch may tr- trigger themselves? It breaks my heart every time. Yeah. And I just, I look forward to a day when these are not conversations that we have to have when when we're able to be really honest with each other about how things are really going and what we're feeling and what we're afraid of uh, there was a great op-ed in the New York Times oh my gosh I'm losing the name right now and he was talking about his best friend's struggle with mental health and his friend had opened up to the to him about his um, struggles, and he said that of all the feelings that he is left with, guilt and remorse were not one of them because his friend had reached out. They knew he was struggling. Everybody was together. He had his team. He had his doctors. He had his medication, and depression still took his life. Still one. Yeah, yeah, it's important to understand suicide as an illness. It's not a crime. It is an illness. And how we talk about it matters. So we don't say committed suicide anymore. That triggers me more than than a lot of things. It's an illness. So, so uh, commit has that connotation of being a crime. So we say things instead died by suicide or suicided as a verb, which sounds a little awkward, but we can practice this. Um I would rather have a glitchy conversation about suicide than no conversation at all. But how we talk about it matters. But in this article in the Times, I wish I could remember who wrote it because it was really beautiful. But he said he didn't feel guilt and regret about how he had been able to show up. And so even though his friend had died, he didn't die without knowing that the people around him were fighting for him as well. Oh, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, one of my cousins, um, Sam's cousins, Carol died from breast cancer the year after Sam did. She was only 33. And at the funeral, another cousin said, um, he was really, you know, of course we were all totally brokenhearted. And he said, um, Carol was fighting for her life and Sam just threw his away. And it made me so mad because I, as I told him, you know, Carol had doctors and medication and chemo and people showing up to drive carpool and bringing her lasagna. And Sam was fighting alone. He was fighting yeah. just as hard, but he mm-hmm. was fighting alone. And what if he had let us into the fight? What if he had let just one person? What if he had let me into the fight with him? Would it have made a difference? I like to think it would. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, just the the book is Sushi Tuesdays. It's a beautiful memoir. Your website is an amazing resource for people who are, you know, looking for some comfort and some answers. You have a also have a newsletter. You're very busy over there at Sushi Tuesdays. Do you still get to have sushi by yourself anymore? <laughs> are you still doing that? I'm worried now. I'm worried you're too busy. 
We wish that for you. You know, to be you honest, need that self care. Yes, I do. I most Tuesdays I do keep to myself still um, because you're right. Self care is for everybody. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, thank Charlotte you, Maya, Charlotte. for being thank with you. us today. We just appreciate your honesty. Oh, thank you all. It, the pleasure has been mine. Liz, Leon, and Julie back. Well, big thanks to Charlotte Maya. Uh, you know, just a very moving, emotional conversation. She's amazing talking about this, you know, but imagine how much hard work it's taken her to get yes. to this point where right. she can a talk about it like that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. how many, I was going to say, how many conversations have we had about suicide? Have you had personally about suicide? Probably not enough. I mean, that's right. what Charlotte was saying to learn more about her experience. I mean, it, um, it was real. That was very important. Right. I and do going, feel going like, from not, not being willing to like say the S word as she calls it to really just using, calling it what it is in conversation yeah. with people. It's a very powerful change. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have seen a lot of, um, suicides in the mid twenties kids, mm -hmm. like almost a an epidemic of them. I just heard of, you know, a kid that used to be on my son's soccer team, uh, you know, died in November. And I, I, every time I, it just shatters me a little bit. It just, mm -hmm. it just, I, I can only think of the people left behind and like, but what she said is like how they must've suffered alone. Yes, That yes. was very powerful. Yes. Yes. Very powerful. This idea that like, if you have cancer, you get this kind of support. If you have a mental health issue, you know, you're on your own sometimes. So it's just, just a, I thought that was a very powerful conversation. The book yeah. is really wonderful. I, I was an early reader of the book. Um, and uh, and she didn't right, have I a publisher. Blurbed it on the back cover. I did. Yeah. She was looking for a publisher, so I said, "Oh, I'll be happy to read it." And I read it. I was like, "I didn't know you could write like this." Like I didn't know mm -hmm. there was so much about her. I did not know when I read that book, uh, and I certainly didn't know that she could dig so deep and so powerfully. So I think there's a lot in the book for people who have experienced any kind of loss, uh, mm -hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of whether it's suicide or not. Yeah, I think you'll find um, some answers there. Right. Also, in our show notes, we will have links. She mentioned the new suicide hotline that we have a 988 number nationally now. I mean, that just started in July of 22. That just started last year. So anyone across the country, you can call 988 and uh, there will be someone there for you. I know that we have, we had a listener who wrote in that, oh, Katie, right? She said she works for a crisis line in Seattle and that we need to talk about mental health. And so Katie wrote in about that, but I'm sure there are other listeners we have that are also engaged in this work. Our email address is hello at SatelliteSisters.com. If you want to send us an email about this show or any other topic, hello at SatelliteSisters.com. And then there were a couple of other links I thought I would put in. Uh, there was a grief book recommended in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group uh, last fall by our longtime uh, listener, Lori Levine, who is herself a counselor. And uh, she said she felt that this book was super useful because it's organized as a um, as a series of lists that um, to help you think through the issues you may be going through with your own grief, whatever it is, whether it's suicide or not. So I'll put a link to that. Also, the American Counseling Organization has all kinds of resources on their website. So we will have a link to that in the show notes. You know, 
Go ahead, Jill. I was just going to, did you want to add more resources, Leanne? I was just going to say, we'll also have that up at the blog at SatelliteSisters.com if you're looking for it and you can't find it on your phone. The show notes are always at our blog. Yeah, because we would like to keep talking about this and we'd love to hear more of your comments. But maybe as we close, I mean, Charlotte wrote something so beautiful um, that um, it's a good reminder from uh, from Charlotte that if you know someone that has experienced death, you know, just going through this, uh, a suicide or a close family member, uh, she wrote that in lieu of flowers, please be kind to one another. Share your struggles and fears and joys. Be present and patient in each other's journeys. And when love seems to fail, because sometimes love is not enough to ward off cancer or heart failure or mental illness, then love more, pray more, talk more, learn more, and live more. Mm, Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, that's it for today. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.